G'day Crypto Goers, I'm Adam Stokes. Welcome back. This is part two to my interview with Synth from Skycoin. If you haven't had the chance to see part one, check it out here in the top corner or in the description below. A big shout out to everyone who has subscribed. If you do like what you see, give us a thumbs up and also leave comments below if you have any questions that you'd like me to ask Synth in the next round of interviews. Note there is a lot of really interesting information in here, but the interview is long, hence I've broken it up so you don't miss anything. We'll be picking up from where I left off with my last question at around the 20 minute mark from the entire interview. Let's get into it. You gave an example of if I'm doing surgery robotically from, let's say, I don't know, mm -hmm. anywhere to anywhere, America to India, for example. Uh, it's a great analogy you gave that is if, if you and I are watching a YouTube video or a Netflix video and, and there's a delay in the stream, then, you know, so what? It's a bit of a glitch. But yeah. when you're doing open heart surgery through a robot and there's a bit of a glitch in the system, that is literally the difference between life and death. And that also can um, goes forward as you just touched on there with military drones and, and other technology on that, have you had any reach into the medical or military systems? Right? Not going into any classified stuff? Well, nothing's really. So the militaries of the world are basically moving into open source uh, commercial equipment. Um, if you look at, for instance, China, uh, the Chinese didn't build their own military infrastructure. They, they use Huawei. Huawei is actually, the, the CEO of Huawei is like uh, the daughter of the general who founded the company and blah, 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 you know. So it's Huawei was always a, basically very close to the Chinese military like this. And the Chinese military decided they were going to use a 4G standard. So they have their own encryption and everything. But within China, all of the command and control infrastructure is basically running on 4G using Huawei equipment. And this is what's called dual use. So you're going to put all these cell phone towers everywhere in the whole country. So you might as well use them, right? So if you see the Chinese military like going into Afghanistan or something and you see them putting these vans and raising cell phone masks, there are five 4G towers above the highway and they're, they're bringing their cell phone network with them. So this is actually, so what we're seeing now is instead of, if you look at military radio, it costs 60,000, $120,000. It has all these proprietary standards and the audio quality is worse than a consumer cell phone. The cost is 100,000 times higher. The, um, the reliability is lower than the cellular standard. And, um, and they can't switch vendors. Whereas with, if I don't, on my computer, I don't like Zoom, I can go to Skype. I don't like Skype, I can go to Telegram. I don't like Telegram, I can go to WhatsApp. I, I, if I don't like this company, I can switch companies like that. But if you have a military handset that is one provider, one software developer, and you can't switch, they have you by the balls. So, mm. so the military is really, the next generation military equipment is all going to be civilian. They're not going to be using their own standard anymore. They're all, they're all using variants uh, that have some modifications, of course, but it's all basically on um, consumer hardware. It's not using very similar to consumer protocols. So for instance, pretend I'm building a drone, uh, a military drone. Am I going to uh, build my own batteries for the drone, my own motors, my own CPUs? The answer is no, I'm going to use the, if you have a civilian drone taking photos of like mine sites or you have a civilian drone that, you know, they, they sell that a person can play with and take photos. This, now the military drones using the same cameras as the, the civilian drones using the same batteries. They're using the same airframes. They're using the same CPUs and they're using the same radio systems and it's just modular. So they just can swap them out. So the, the countries like the United States that only have four drone producers and that only have military specs that are incompatible with 
civilian specs, they started to fall behind development because their drones cost a thousand times more. Whereas the Chinese drones use civilian chassis, the military uses the same chassis as a civilian chassis. They have a choice of 40 different companies producing them. They have a choice of 40 different companies producing the motors, 40 different companies producing lithium-ion batteries, 40 different companies producing radio systems, and they mix, mix and match and swap out the components as modules. And that keeps their costs very low, and it means that their civilian sector is subsidizing the military sector. So one of the interesting things is when you used to build like an ICBM missile, you'd build a nuclear weapon or something, you'd build a factory just for that one weapon, and that factory would only produce that weapon. And it would be used for nothing else. It'd have no economic use and it would, be, it would cost a lot of money. Today, all of the components in the military equipment is being produced in the same factories producing civilian. So that, you know, you have a camera producing GoPro, cam, uh, CMOS cameras or something. That same camera, that same factory is also going to be what's producing the cameras on the, on the military drone. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to have a different. So what we're seeing now is that the, the, the military, instead of having comp- very specialized equipment um, for the, just for the military that has no economic use, the military uh, goods are now being subsidized and produced by the civilian and the commercial sector. And so this is a completely new, it, it's just uh, it's a change that's occurring right now. So I guess what you're saying then is basically Skywire, Skycoin miners and all the technology behind it could in fact being, uh, be used by the military without you even knowing. So one, we actually, there's a funny story about this. The, uh, in the 1980s, the US, mil, uh, the US government was getting raped basically by uh, Cisco because they, they got this thing called MPLS and Cisco would, uh, they, they called, you have, a, you have the umbrella and they say, how do you get an umbrella up someone's ass, right? You, you put the umbrella in and you pop it, right? But you don't pop the umbrella before you put, it, put up their butt. You put the umbrella up their butt, then you pop it. And that's what they do with these contracts. So they knew that once they were using the Cisco equipment, they could not get out of the contract. They, they, had, they could charge them whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. And so the Department of Defense actually got screwed for like something like $120 billion a year, something ridiculous. And they were sort of, they, they then passed this thing saying, we're only using open source technology. We're only using uh, technology where we can have multiple vendors. So if our vendors start screwing us, we have to be able to switch vendors. And this is a long story. I go on. This is a lot of bullshit. But um, basically, they started to fund OpenFlow, and OpenFlow was an attempt to replace Cisco MPLS, which is you don't understand how big this 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 thing is. This is what is running every Starbucks in the United States or in the on the Earth. MPLS is what is running all the WalMarts, all the Fe, the FedEx infrastructure, every Fortune 500 company, and all the flows of the global data are basically running on uh, corporate intranets, running on MPLS. And what Skywire is, is it's basically an alternative, the, the, right now the only alternative to MPLS, but we started on blockchain technology and source routing and sort of focusing on what the requirements would be for the, for the you know, the after 5G. What the, um, so one of the things is we, we decided that for quality of service, if, if I'm downloading a video, I want a connection that's like this, with this latency, this bandwidth and this jitter, and if I'm doing robotic surgery, I need this, and I need higher level redundancy and lower jitter, and I might not care as much about the latency as long as it's both constant and below a threshold. If I'm playing a video game, I want the lowest latency. So different connections have different requirements for quality of service, and what we said was we allowed the path that the data on the network would take, it's called the data plane, we gave that to be under control of the user. 
So if you're a corporation, or you're a government, or you're this, you can say this traffic's important, prioritize it. This traffic's important, but I don't care about the latency. This traffic is very important. I care about the latency, but the traffic volume is this low. So you have things like allocated bandwidth, unallocated bandwidth, source routing. And we created a, uh, so anyway, so Skywire is, is a very, com I don't want to go too much into it, but I think that um, we did a much better job than IP6 did with solving the quality of service issues that you're going to see in these next generation networks. Because basically what, what happens is you're going to have people, uh, you're going to have companies and they're going to have 600, 700 robots with like 40 megapixel cameras on them. And they're going to be like working in hospitality or construction and, and so for instance, if I have a bulldozer, right, and I put some cameras on my bulldozer and I make it electric, I can now use some guy in India for $30, uh, $300 a month to control my bulldozer in a work site in Arizona. So that saves me on labor costs. But now I have to stream the video feed from that bulldozer, which could be a 40 megapixel camera, all the way to the other side of the earth and back and maintain the latency requirements. So, as we're going into this robotics, 4G automation, completely automated uh, factory scenario, um, we're going to, the, Mac, the amount of bandwidth that we're using is gonna go up about 10,000 X. And our current, uh, our current infrastructure, our current networking technologies are not prepared to deal with, to deal with this at all. So um, we're, we're really focused on those next, we're gonna build something and it's gonna take eight, 10 years. And so we wanna know what the market is gonna be 20 years from now so that when we, finish this thing, it'll be, this is the world we're going to be living. Don't build the, the application for this for tomorrow. Figure out what the application will be 10 years from now so that you have the solution when we hit these problems. This is a good segue into your sky miners. So I'm, mm -hmm. what really interests me about uh, the Skycoin project is internet 2.0. So is it fair to yeah. say that the way we enable internet 2.0 is through the sky miners themselves. And if that is the case, how many miners are you going to need globally to make this thing work? So one of the interesting things is Bitcoin has about 10,000 public nodes. Skycoin already has 13,000 nodes. So we passed Bitcoin last month. We're, we have 30% more nodes than Bitcoin. And that number could be 100,000. We could have 10 times more nodes than Bitcoin pretty soon. And, but the note, so what we're trying to do is, uh, this is a personal cloud. This is like a mini supercomputer that you, you can put in your office. So pretend I have Aliyun or Amazon or whatever, and I, I have a lot of data, uh, my company, all my employees, their emails, all their stuff. Why do I, if my employees are all sitting in their office, why do I want all the data to go all the way to California and then go all the way back every time I want to get file? If they're sitting in my office, why can't I have their data in the same office that the employees are in? Why does the data have to go to the other side of the world and back every time I want to get an email or, or a, an image or something? It doesn't make any sense. If the, if the so what we're trying to do is to localize the data. So companies are going to be able to buy this or one of these with like 256 CPUs. They're going to be, have their own cloud. Instead of having Amazon's cloud, Baidu's cloud, you're, as a company, you're going to have your own cloud, your own hardware, your own nodes and you're gonna store your own data for your company on your own hardware. And so this is really the only way that makes sense. The, the way that we do things right now, a lot of times doesn't make any sense. We do it because it's easy. To, to clarify on that, 
sorry to interrupt, but if that, if that, I, let's say I'm a, a company, I've got that sky miner in my office mm-hmm. and I've got all my data on that bit of hardware behind you. My office mm-hmm. burns to the ground. Have I lost all that yeah. data? No, because each, each, uh, each office is basically a cluster. And if I have a database, it'll be a blockchain database. And every single, if I have four locations, each one will have a full copy of all the data. So if two of them get destroyed, I don't care. And um, so the, the, the thing about the blockchain is we have what's called content, um, uh, content addressable storage. And it's really, uh, it's really a source agnostic storage. So we have an encoding. And what it means is I don't care what the location of the data is. Each piece of data has a unique identifier. And there could be 100,000 copies of that data in the world. And any copy is as good as any other copy, right? And the data is self-validating. So what I do is I take your data, your file, and I reference it by SHA-256 hash. And as long as one person gives me a copy of that file, I can validate it, hash it, and get the same hash. If someone modifies one bit of the file, it generates another hash, and then, and then it's a different file. So, so I, what we did is we created an immutable data storage format so that if, you're, if you have uh, a company instead of saying this is the server that stores this image data, it's on this server. We don't have a, we don't have addresses where the data is stored. We have identifiers of the data itself. So instead of saying go to twitter.com and go to a, a, a server and then make a request on the server, we say here's the identity of the data, give me a copy of the data. And then I don't care where it comes from. And th- this is what's called immutability or source independence or content addressable storage. And in the new internet, this is how everything is going to be done. So for instance, if I'm watching a YouTube video, I'm not going to go all the way to California and then have a send a packet to the other side of the earth to get the, 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 the data. If someone in one person in my city has already watched that video, it's already on their SkyMiner and I will download it from him. I will, I will not have to leave my neighborhood or my city or my country to get a data, uh, a piece of data. Once one copy of the data is inside of a country, it will grab it from the nearest source instead of going all the way to the other side of the earth and back every single request for a million users. It doesn't, so the way that we do networking today, it doesn't make any sense because we don't have uh, locality basically. Like uh, if I know that you downloaded a YouTube video, then I request the video and we're neighbors. My computer has no way of asking you for that video. It always has to go back to YouTube. And so you, and so in the next generation of the networking protocols, I only care, what is the identifier of the, of the thing that I want? Who's the closest person to me that has it? I don't care whether it comes from YouTube or it comes from my neighbor or it comes from the next city. I don't, I don't care where it comes from. All I, I, but once I have the data, I, it's self-validating and it, it's immutable. It can't be modified. And so this is a, it basically, this is what people pay a lot of money to content distributed networks, uh, CDN services to do mm-hmm. is to basically make copies of the data and co-locate them with the user. But in the next generation networking protocols, um, this, this type of data locality is gonna be built right into the networking protocol. It's not just gonna be something that was like thrown on or that you're gonna pay a third party service for. It's, it's in Skywire and Skycoin and uh, what we're doing with the CX, this type of uh, networking storage is, is the base layer that we're building, it's the foundation that we're building the rest of the house on. Does this compare, is this parallel to say what Sirecoin's doing, for example? Is it breaking up these files and putting them into separate places? Mm-hmm. And if you're just putting, like how much can that sky miner hold in that example that you gave? If my next door neighbor's got 
30 gigs of videos and then three terabytes and then 30 terabytes, how much can it hold until it goes to the next sky miner? And if it does need to go to the next sky miner, how many do we need out there? I, we have an EMMC port on this, so we could put uh, like 500, uh, half a gigabyte, uh, one gig, one, or half a terabyte, uh, one terabyte per node, and this is eight nodes. So a corporate one with 256 nodes might be 256 terabytes. So for most offices, 256 terabytes is probably overkill. I don't think they're ever going to use that much storage before. The people, if they stored every YouTube video they've ever watched until they die, I don't think it would even fill up uh, 10 terabytes. And so, why, why would um, we use um, Skycoin over something like StoreJ or Sire? So what we did was, uh, StoreJ and Sire, I think, are prototypes of, of this, but I don't know if anyone's actually using them. So what I'm trying to do is we don't charge people for storing the data. With Searcoin, you put the data in their cloud and it's stored on someone else's computer. And we just have to pray they don't unplug that computer from the internet. Uh, with our, our thing, it's your hardware. You can choose how many copies of the data you want. And we have two things. We have a private network and a public network. And if you're a corporation, because of legal requirements for the user data, you're not allowed to have it on a third party service. If, if you're using, uh, if you have data for people in the European Union, that data has to stay in the uh, European Union has to be stored in the European Union under the European Union data directorate. So for uh, compliance, what we say is you have a, a blockchain database, and yes, you have a full copy of that data um, in the European Union, but you also have a copy of it in Brazil, and you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's replicated, and there's no master server. There's no, and for blockchain, for previously for a database, we'd have a master that would write to the database, and then we have slaves, but in the, the new technology, there's no master, there's no slaves, there's only, uh, servers that are running a copy of the blockchain and then the uh there's no real master there's no uh central point or no primary and so for uh, anyway so this for, for corporate configurations it just makes it easier for legal compliance and, de and dealing with this stuff and you know that if one of your offices burns down you, you're not going to lose any data because you always say you want two or three copies of the data and so on and i'll do that well this leads um, into so the individual as you know uh, I'm a miner myself in the sense that I've, I've spent thousands on a, a mini mining farm. I've got um, uh, ASIC miners that include includes mining Psycoin itself where I, I mined hundreds of thousands, nearly a million Psycoins, I think, in the beginning on the A3 miners. Uh, then Litecoin on the script algorithm and, of course, um, Bitcoin miners, which are just so power hungry. So I'm really excited about your your miners there, not just for the corporate level, but just for the small players like myself. Mm -hmm. So to our mining compute, uh, community out there, since how many miners am I going to need for how long to buy a Lambo? 